The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I am a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I am also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I am a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. The father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
And we have with us Taggart Van Etten, brand new world record holder in the treadmill 100 miles. Taggart, thanks for being on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, George. I'm, I'm excited to be here tonight. I was, I was thinking about it when we were getting ready today, and, and I was going through and reading all the various articles about you and, and watching the videos and stuff. And I was like, you know, we've had journalists and authors, we've had pro triathletes, we've had pro runners, we've had Kona qualifiers, Boston qualifiers, Olympic trials qualifiers. We've had one former world record holder, but you are the first current world record holder we've ever had on the podcast. Wow. Well, I am glad to be, I'm glad to be included with that long list of individuals. You <laughs> Have you gotten accustomed to being Taggart Van Etten, the world record holder? I don't know if I've gotten accustomed to it, but uh, the students at my school are probably tired of me hearing it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, probably tired of me saying it. So. So, so, well, the school year is almost over, Taggart. You're going to have all new students next year and, you know, you can just start all over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure. So I figured the best place to start is to talk about the actual run itself, the actual world record itself. And so it was on a treadmill, but we want to hear like all the ins and outs and all that sort of thing. I guess the best place to start is that you did it not like in your house. You mm -hmm. set up a couple of treadmills at a local bar. Is that right? Yes. Um, I set it up at a gastropub downtown um, here in Morton. Uh, it's like a it's like a bar and restaurant, you know, like a microbrewery uh, gastropub type place. Uh, seasons, um, I've gone there to eat, I can't tell you how many times, and uh, the owner and I connected through a mutual friend, and um, the area he had me in is normally where he has bands set up and everything like that to entertain, so it was just perfect for me to bring in a couple of treadmills and uh, <laughs> a, a place there in front of the restaurant. Did, did he, like, market it? Yeah, yeah, he did. We, uh, we had quite a bit of people from the town come out. Uh, I don't live in too big of a town. It's it's not small, but it's not huge. It's about fifteen or sixteen thousand. So I would say I would say the majority of the population knew about it, which is kind of cool. Very cool, very cool. And what time of day did you start? I started at seven. It was it was a little past seven a.m. Central. It was probably like seven o four or something like that. We okay. uh, we planned to start at seven, but then uh, Zwift kind of backed out and then uh, started right back up again. Uh, any anybody who's been on Zwift before can appreciate the technical <laughs> difficulties on Zwift. So so yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric and I both spent a lot of time on there for sure. And so so you start at seven oh four. You have two treadmills, and they weren't even your treadmills, weren't they? Borrowed treadmills. Yes, the uh, Gold's Gym here in Morton that I'm a member to actually donated two Matrix treadmills that that I ran on. So um, I've done I've done quite a few runs on them, and I I don't mind them. They held up. So the uh, first treadmill was obviously for me. And the uh, second treadmill, we had a run next to me. And from miles one through 99, we cycled through about 20 different individuals who came in and just jogged along. And it was great to have them there the whole day. Very cool. Very That's cool. gotta be the coolest job for a pacer. You don't actually have <laughs> to keep up with the person you're pacing. You just have to set the treadmill on the right speed. So, but you don't even have to sit on the right speed. You it know, doesn't matter. Tiger was running 655 pace. Like the person next to him could have been running 955 pace and maybe having a lovely conversation. So Taggart, how did you decide who was going to run uh, next to you through mile 99, essentially? How did that work? Um, basically, I just kind of made this Google spreadsheet and we reached out to my closest running friends first. 
of people who were interested in coming to run next to me and it filled up in about uh, 30 minutes. Um, there was did only, people take turns or? Yeah, so uh, most people did five or six miles at five or six miles at a time. The uh, longest person was my final guy and he was on there for 10 miles. But, uh, but most people were 30 or 40 minutes. Some were 20, you know, I'll give or take. Very cool. And didn't your high school coach join you for part of it? Um, so, so a kid who I coach, who I, who I coach in track and cross country came and ran next to me, which mm-hmm. is very cool to have him there. For sure. And, um, it was my, um, uh, he was my officially high school coach, but, um, it was my biggest, like kind of, uh, teacher life triathlon running mentor who carried me through 89 and 99. Um, he coached at a high school that, uh, competed against mine. And, uh, back when I was doing triathlons, he was very, um, helpful when I first got started in the triathlon and then uh, my my post like collegiate career in triathlon and running. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so your goal was to run right about 1140. So right about 655 pace. Did you just set it at at 655 pace at, you know, eight point, I guess, six or 8.7 miles per hour and just go? Was that the plan? So I kind of went back and forth between um, eight, five and nine. Um, I started off really slow and it felt unnaturally slow to me. Uh, It was probably around the 10 mile mark. I just felt uncomfortable. So I actually uh, increased the speed to about a 648 pace just because it felt that felt good, you know. Um, But uh, for the most part, I would go up for like a mile or two. Then I'd come back down Um, every third mile. I would increase the incline to a half incline for a quarter mile. Then I would increase it for another quarter mile for a total of a half mile at a one incline. And that's typically when I would drop the speed of like eight, five to, uh, to uh, work the leg muscles differently in my body. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Did you have any guidance or any rules you had to follow from the because it was it was the guinness book of world records that actually ratified it or is ratifying it right now right yes um zach's attempt actually was not a guinness world record Uh, zach bitters yes yes Mm -hmm. yes zach bitters and neither was the guy before him the guy who ran it at like a running conventional center um a couple years ago anyway uh basically the weirdest rule that guinness has is you can't hold on to the treadmill for more than a minute so uh that was the I mean, I, I don't ever do that, but that was the only thing I had to make sure that I wouldn't like touch it to like look back and talk to someone like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when, when you were on the treadmill, I think I read or listened to you talk about how the treadmill, you had to cycle every 99 minutes. So you would right. get off and take a break every 99 minutes and that you enjoyed that. But how did that play into the Guinness Book of World Records? Was that mm. fine with that or... Was there only a certain amount of time you could be off the treadmill or how does that so, take effect? So, so just, uh, so just like in a race, the uh, time keeps on rolling. So um, every time I stepped off for 20 seconds or however long it was, the, the uh, clock, we had a clock that wasn't on Zwift that rolled through the whole thing that we kept time on. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Got it. And, and, and that was ultimately like your official time, not necessarily yes. the time that was up on Zwift. So yeah. And you and you were wearing and and this is a sore topic here on this podcast, but you were wearing a stride, stride? foot pod. Oh. Yeah, you were wearing a stride foot pod, and that's how you actually connected to Zwift, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's wrong with a striped football? So, yeah, you don't want to go there, Taggart. This, uh... <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, it is, we, we, we will simply say this, uh, it, it is a very popular way that people who run on Zwift uh, uh, go to Zwift. So is do you run on Zwift on a regular basis? Like when, because I'm sure you trained a lot for this, obviously, and we'll get into your training in just a minute, but um, do, you, do you run a lot on Zwift and, and, and always use your stride football that way? I don't really run on Zwift a lot. Um, I do. I do use Stride Foot Pod because uh, uh, because I don't ever use GPS. Um, mm-hmm. If you look on Strava, it just says like the mileage, the distance, and the pace, and it goes by my splits because I, I just don't use a GPS. But I use the Stride for everything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, well, you can't. We can't just go beyond that. You can't just say gotcha and we we roll on there, George. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. Taggart. <laughs> Taggart, so so Eric, my, Eric is Eric is the tech guy, Taggart, and so he wants to talk okay. to you a little bit more about the tech. Yeah, yeah so th- that's actually really interesting. What would drive you to stay away from GPS, and then and then the second question would be, why would you go with a, a foot pod, a stride foot pod? So at so at Tunnel Hill, where I ran twelve nineteen last fall, I think um, and about a quarter of the way through the race, my GPS lost satellite for the first time in my life. 25 miles into my first hundred and um i ran a section at about a 625 minute per mile pace for close to 15 miles when i should have been running a about a 722 pace Hmm. because my gps was so off it told me i was running slow and then it went out on me again and i didn't have g i i didn't have gps the whole day at tunnel hill i ran that whole thing without even knowing where i was at except for when i would come up on an aid station wow so so that is why yeah. I decided no longer am I going to trust uh, satellites. I'm going to go with a foot pod. Right on. I can, I can see that. And, you know, what's interesting that. about that, George, is the experience I had this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Taggart, I, I, I paced a guy running his marathon. He, he ran his first sub three-hour marathon. And for about nine miles, we were running next to one another. And he looked down at his watch and he said, that was a 720 mile. I was like, no way. We were running 645s, 645, 647, maybe 650. After the race, he uploads his his data to Strava. And I, I cut and paste it. I sent it to George. George is like, that looks fine. I'm like, we never ran on that road. It literally took this hard 90-degree <laughs> right-hand turn, went out to this other road, <laughs> and went up and yeah, I rejoined him. Mm-hmm. So I can I can see that. Um, I can see that being a concern, especially maybe in the environments that you're running in. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, okay, I can buy that. Now, why the stride foot pod? Because that's the only thing on the market that fits you or, you know, what you're trying to do or? Um, I, I looked into other options and from what I read online, it was pretty much, you know, it was like the, it was like the A standard for foot pods. Um, okay. People, people on Zwift forums were um, suggesting a stride over the Zwift pod and I, and I didn't. And I read that the Garmin pod wasn't too great. And the uh, run, the R-U-N-N or R-U-N-N sensor looked a little difficult for me to set up. And that's not something I could bring with me outside. Um, I saw there was this uh, other thing to where like you plug it into your insole of your shoe and it connects to your heel. Mm -hmm. But uh, Stride, I I know it's expensive, but I just felt like it was the best and easiest option for me. Just plug and play. So what do you think about the... The, the the power portion of stride is that is that useful information to you what do you think about that just say no 
<laughs> so, 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 so power watts per, watts per kilogram is very important in cycling. Extremely important. Yep. I, I, I live by it back in triathlon days. But with um, running. Pa- pa- running with power, I- I'm not sold on it. I'll tell you that. You are uh, a friend of the podcast. I was going to say that, that, like that, that, that's the podcast line. So, so, so good answer, Taggart. We appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, all right. So, all right. so, so, so back to the hundred miler. So, so talk to us about your nutrition. So, so you, you dial in there, like, like Michelle said, you're having to get off the treadmill, but only for like 20 seconds. I didn't realize it was that short of a break every time because, because all of us who have done long runs on gym treadmills know they reset every 99 minutes. Um, and so, so you're having to get off, uh, and the then do that. um, but, um, which I appreciate your positivity about that, by the way, Taggart, that you're just like, Oh yeah, it was cool. It was good. I got to have a little break there. Um, but, um, but talk to us about your nutrition. Were you drinking water? Were you drinking, what, what were you taking in throughout? So every two miles I had two salt stick fast shoes. I need to plug them because they're my first official company that ever helped me. Awesome. So I had, I had two salt stick fast shoes. Then every four miles, I would rotate between four things. Um, a honey stinger waffle, a goo cliff block chew, like the six pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a cliff block chew, the six pack, a goo, either vanilla or chocolate or a banana. Mm-hmm. So I would rotate between those four things, one of those four every four miles. Mm-hmm. And then starting at 30 miles, I added a salt capsule. And then at 25 and 50 miles, I had a banana. I planned on eating one at 75, but I didn't need it. And then starting at 60 <laughs> miles, the salt capsules that I was taking every fourth mile have, have added caffeine into it. Gotcha. And then whenever I felt tightness in my legs, like a cramp, I would take a big swig of pickle juice and pray that I would not fall over on the treadmill. Going old school with the pickle juice. Um, I love it. Did you, did you map all that out prior to, or did you kind of come up with that on the fly or, or, or how, how, how much did you give yourself leeway to, to improvise there? That is something I used training in the tunnel Hill last fall. I worked at tunnel Hill and it worked in my training leading into this. And I only drank water. Um, we had, we had stuff there in case I wanted a carbohydrate drink, but I've never had, I've never had, I've never had to drink that, anything like nutritional. Gotcha. Gotcha. I would say if you started doing that on top of what you're doing, you'd be overdoing it. Yeah. I think yeah. with your, you, you really nailed it with the, the solid food. Well, solidish foods. Um, Semi-solid. And it, real quick, you had four things you rotated through, but was it every fourth mile you rotated through those three things or was it four things you rotated through every four miles? It was every fourth mile, I would choose one. So then oh, okay. I would have that same thing 16 miles later. So okay. I would have a honey stinger a mile four that I wouldn't have it again until mile like 20. Did you, okay. did you make yourself wait 16 miles before you had another honey stinger waffle? Or if you had one four miles and you really wanted another one four miles later, would you let yourself have another one? Or were you being super disciplined about cycling through all of them? I try not to overthink that stuff. I would just, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, if I craved it, I would have it. Uh, there was mm-hmm. twice when I took two goos back to back. I did that at Tunnel Hill mm-hmm. and I did that on the treadmill. It was like miles, probably like 35 and then probably around like 65. I took two goos within a mile of each other just because I felt a little tired and a little low. And when in doubt in an ultra, you need to eat. 
but um i just did that because those are like the lightest and the easiest on my stomach those things are yeah yeah very good So i'm trying to come into the moment if you're in tunnel hill which is a 100 and we can talk about that race for you uh once we get done with your world record on the treadmill recap you're running and you're just carrying all these options and a vest or something but when you're on a treadmill in a pub you what just have it all laying out next to you on the table to choose from every four miles or it seems much easier if it's all kind of there and you've got a treadmill in front of you and you're reminded that it's four miles and you need to eat something and you can see what you have to choose from but it seems like a whole different ball game in terms of fueling on the run in a 100 like you probably had to do in tunnel hill is that about right or so um, every fourth mile, my my crew would ask me what I wanted. They would open it up and give it to me. That's um, awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's the benefit of having like the the tra- I mean, you never went sure. anywhere, right? No, yeah, <laughs> so, no. so you just have the whole setup there. And no one had to keep up with you. Majority. Right, but it's of it, amazing yeah. that the first time you employed this nutrition tactic or method, you weren't. You didn't have a crew standing right next to you offering you a Tupperware of, you know, one of four options every four miles. Like you had to figure it out on the go. Well, well, um, I was a pretty good 70.3 triathlon racer. So my background with nutrition goes back a few years. It, it, it just, it, it just didn't start like last year. I mean, right. I knew what I needed when I was racing, you know, four hours and 70.3. And, um, I changed some things when I went into, uh, when I left triathlon, I went into ultra in 2020. But um, it's it's just something that I've always practiced on my Saturday and Sunday long runs that I know what works and what doesn't work for me. Cool. Very That's good. Great. Very good. All right. So take us into the finish then. So so I know I you, you broadcast it on Twitch and on Instagram. Um, and, and I, I was following along on Instagram along with a couple of other people. Um, and then you started to pick up the pace a little bit at one point, and then you kind of dialed it back a little bit. And, and I think I read somewhere that your crew talked you out of trying to pick up the pace a little bit. Is that at right? Mile 75, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I was around mile 70, I was feeling really good, but the place was heating, was heating up, heating up in there was like 80 degrees. Oof. And I had talked about trying to go 1119 and breaking my tunnel hill time by an hour. And um, I fully believe I had it in my legs. It's just, it was 80 degrees in there. And I turned it on for like five or six miles. I was running like a 625, 626 pace. And then they, and then they came to the treadmill and they were just like, you, you need, you need to slow back down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you so, listened um, to them, right? Yes. Yes. Because they're my three best friends and they, and they knew what was good and what wasn't good for me. So. Well, I thought it was because it was getting too loud and they, they couldn't hear the music. Or you know, like the, <laughs> hey, you're going to have to back it off a little bit, Taggart. We're trying to listen to the jukebox. You're, you're, you're breathing too heavily and disturbing people's <laughs> enjoyment at the gastropub. So um, was, was, was there a pretty good crowd there towards the end? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. The place was packed. Just, uh, just like I cool. said, with all the bodies in there, it was so warm. Ah. Three hours. But, okay. um, I've been but, wondering yeah. how it got up to 85 degrees, but it's because there's so many people in there. Yeah, there, no, there were there were so many people in there, and 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 the AC just couldn't keep up with it. Gotcha. Okay. Now, is that like being in the last mile of a marathon constantly? Because you, <laughs> you know, like, thirty miles. Ultra, you get out there, like you see people at mile one, two, and then you don't see people again until the end. But I, but you've got like this crowd of people. It's almost like they're following you through the whole race. Like, what is that like? Um. Are you trying to tune it, that out? 
I'm not really trying to, I'm, I'm trying to use their energy and just, uh, and just like use their support to, you know, keep my chest up. I want to keep my composure. I want to look good. Um, I, I, you know, you know, I want to break this world record in front of everyone right now. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to use them as motivation to help me through the next, um, however long they were there. Yeah. You you never have eyes off. You're never in the backwoods. You're never Mm -hmm. on that, that hill where you're like, damn it, I'm just going to walk for a couple of minutes here because (laughs) this hurts. Like there's always someone stare. Like I can't go slower than 6:45 or 6:55 because they're gonna mm-hmm. see it. It's everybody's projected. watching. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Everybody's watching. That's Everybody cool. on Twitch and on Instagram too. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. And then, um, uh, did you get to choose the music that was being played in there, or was it like? <laughs> it was all my music. It was all my music for my playlist that I had. Nice. So nice. See, they would never let George do that. So. <laughs> so they would they would there wouldn't um, be 85 people there so so you cross through you get to the finish line tell us what it was like to to you know take us through that last mile you did it by yourself that was the one mile you said where you didn't have somebody with you um you do it by yourself you cross the finish line you you break the champagne you hug your mom take tell, tell us about that feeling you know uh the last mile was pretty emotional for me uh i was able to slow up to like a 745 eight minute pace and i just kind of enjoyed it i just jogged it in just celebrated just it's crazy because you know i normally get about 100 or 200 meters of that but but like for me i had a full mile just to just to do whatever i wanted up there mm-hmm. and uh to hop off and to have my mom there was just awesome um it was the first time she ever got to watch me run an ultra because she couldn't come to tunnel hill last year Mm-hmm. and for her to be there and then my my best friends my closest friends my family to be there and just give her a hug and I didn't even know they were gonna have a bottle of champagne and my best friend hands me the bottle and uh, I didn't even know how to open it he had to tell me how to open it right there and I, <laughs> and I pop it and shake it and stupid me I pour it over my head because I've never I've never drank champagne and it goes right <laughs> in my eyes and it starts to burn and it, <laughs> but um it it was just it was an amazing it was just an amazing like probably out it was an amazing next hour being there after that oh that would be cool so 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 you kind of got to hang out with all those people for a while and sort of revel in what you just accomplished Mm -hmm. and this was a this was a special date too wasn't it um kind of it was the uh day after my dad's uh uh my dad's like I, i don't know what you want to call it a a death anniversary my dad passed away on april 30th 2015 so uh so it, so it was six years past and um it was just uh you know it, i i had a picture of him in front of the treadmill all day and my mom came up to me a few times the last 10 miles and um i've got a i've got a tattoo of I dedicated my dad on my back and she was just telling me you know he's there pushing you he's he's, he's here with us and when she told me that like my old 98 or somewhere 99, I'd start tearing up and I like, I like lost myself on the trip. No, but able to pull it together. So. So here's what I want to know. Would you do it again? Would you try to go faster? On the treadmill specifically. Um, it depends on the incentives, but, (laughs) but, but, uh, possibly. Wow. Possibly. Yeah. Very good. Well, so let's, let's cycle back a little bit. Um, and 
And we know, and, and you've talked about in other places that, that you were a wrestler in high school and you, like me, like Eric, you started running in order to get in shape for wrestling and found out that you were a pretty good runner. And so you started running more and then you ran some in college. You got injured, then you got into triathlon. Is that right? Correct. That is all correct. And, and, then, and then you decided um, in, in uh, 2019, was it, to pivot away from triathlon or was that, was that 2020? It was the end of 2019 after I ran my first marathon. Gotcha. Okay, that's right. You ran that Indy Marathon in 237. And you said, I might be a pretty good marathoner. And so, so you decided to start doing that. I guess 237 marathon off of only 20 miles per week running. Is that correct? It was 22, but yes, 22 miles a week. <laughs> but, but, I mean, but, but, off of, off of like, but off of like 15 hours worth a week of training, right? Uh, it was probably close to 22 hours a week at that point. Right. I was cycling 250 miles and I was swimming in about 30 K 35 K and running twice or three times a week. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So that is, that is yet another thing that makes you a friend of the podcast Taggart is that, that I, I am a heavy advocate for, for general fitness and cross training. Um, and I, so, so very I good. am too. Um, uh, uh, it was a U.S. um, Olympian and trap on Morgan Pearson ran like one hour and two minutes for half marathon back in February. And uh, I don't think he runs more than 40 miles a week or something like that. It, it, it definitely is there to do it. So, so that actually segues nicely into talking about, so, so you decided to pivot to marathon then and, and your marathon got canceled. Like so many races got canceled in 2020. And so you decided to pivot to ultra, but it seems like you haven't been doing a whole lot of, cross training it seems like it seems like you've Anymore. left the swimming and the uh, and the cycling behind is that right yes um with the exception of my off season in december i have not been cycling much at all if any yeah no i have not and i haven't swam since october of 2019 so i don't blame the... you on the swimming but but yeah, do you miss the cycling <laughs> what do you miss the cycling though i miss swift racing and um i actually do miss swimming a little bit so why the pivot? I mean, you obviously know, and you have the proof, uh, you know, in results and on paper that all the cross training, uh, cycling and the swimming, you know, can help you a lot with running. So why the pivot to kind of the ultra and just running now 170, 200 miles a week and no cycling, uh, swimming or additional cross training. When I was swimming and cycling, I was training to be the best triathlete I could be. Now I'm training to be the best ultra runner I could be. And um, there are there are uh, benefits that transfer over from swimming and cycling, but when I'm just running and I'm not, you know, uh, using those muscles that I would that I had in my upper body swimming or that I had my uh, quadriceps in cycling, it uh, it has actually leaned me up a little bit. And um, I'm not saying that if you're strictly a runner, you shouldn't ride the bike or you shouldn't swim because because most people should. But for me uh, myself. I need to be running 13 times a week to become the best runner I can be. I think so. Sure. Sure. Very good. So we noticed that, that, uh, so speaking of, of, of your training regime and all that sort of thing, um, you took one day off after the treadmill record and then you ran like 160 miles that week or something like that. Is that right? I took <laughs> Sunday off and I rode the bike on Monday. So boom. Uh, there you go. That, I was, it, bike. Was, was it was it a Zwift race? Did you do a crit? <laughs> no, oh, no, man. no uh, I wish. And then Tuesday morning, I woke up at three forty-five, went for a sixteen-mile run. All right, how'd that feel? 
it, it felt better than I thought it would. I'll tell you that. Uh, I mean, it didn't feel great by all means. Um, um, I think the first few miles were probably around an eight or nine minute pace, but we got going and I finished up like normal. Right on. How are you feeling now? Cause I always feel like there's a little bit of like a, like a honeymoon period immediately following a big effort. And then it's always like two or three weeks later where it's like all the fatigue and all that kind of catches up with you. You feeling good still now? Well, Saturday I ran 50 miles in 528. So I think I feel better than what I did before. The <laughs> and where I did you so do too. that 50 miles? I did 40 on the treadmill and 10 outside. Mm -hmm. And is that in preparation for your next big goal? Yes. Do you want That's to tell us what that is? <laughs> I am on June 19th going to six days in the dome to run a new 100 mile overall world record. The current world record is 11 hours, 14 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, a what record that was that? a record that was set just about a week prior to your treadmill run, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah, it was set by Alex. Uh, as far as the pace, that's six minutes and forty-five seconds per mile. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, and that's where Zach Bitters had had set the previous record at that same race, right? Yep, he set that in I think 2019. There. Mm -hmm. yep. It's and it's it's a 200. Is it a 200 meter track? It's a 440 meter indoor track okay. uh, surrounding an ice skating rink. Okay, I gotcha. So, so 440 meters, a little bit, a little bit over a quarter mile there. And uh, how many laps is that going to be for 100? Well, probably like 380 or 390, something like that. Easy, knock it out. Yeah, easy. <laughs> right so on. I got, I've got a question about that. This is something else we've been talking about on the podcast, and. Okay. I think maybe the, the hundred mile is actually an anomaly, but we've been talking about how the, the records have been falling and especially over the COVID season, you know, I'm, I'm just going to call it the COVID season, that two year period, a lot of records fell. And one of our you know postulates is that the records are falling because the professionals aren't exhausted because their, their schedule has been, uh, I'd say, slackened, at least the racing side. So they've been able to concentrate more on the training, maybe get more rest in, and then be able to really throw down on the big efforts. Um, but I think the 100-mile distance may be a little different. Um, you just mentioned that you cruised on the last mile on the treadmill. So that means there might be space for another minute 45 or minute or so off of that record you know, someone could come in and, and take that. You could take that. So you could actually oh. just break your world record. Um, I, right? I will tell you, I ran the treadmill at 85%. So, okay. So my point, then, then my point is, I think the hundred mile is just coming into focus for a lot of people. And we haven't seen that plateau yet. I think this is, this is, you know, it's dropping fast. And I just wanted your thoughts on that. So as far as training, I would agree, you know, uh, last year I ran a half marathon in March. I didn't have anything until November. So I had half of a year just to run, not have to worry about going to a race or anything like that, just to train, um, do my own little time trials here and there if I wanted to. But uh, I definitely could see that in ultra track and field and triathlon. These, these people are showing up very well rested. Uh, they're very hungry. And um, I think another reason why we're seeing the jump is because we didn't see any times go down last spring or last summer or last fall. You know, um, normally, uh, normally there is a little bit of a hop. And then so uh, I, I think as far as that, um, what was your other question? Sorry. 
Well, do you think the hundred is at a plateau yet? Or do you think we're still seeing drops because we haven't reached, you know, it's at some point you kind of reach the limit of the human ability, mm -hmm. but I don't, it doesn't seem like we're anywhere near that with the hundred distance yet. I can tell you, um, I can't tell you specifically what I'm going to shoot for, but I'm going to try to make a big drop in the 100 mile world record on June 19. Sounds good. Cool. Well, so, and that, that actually segues, I think, into something else that I'd, I'd be interested in, in hearing uh, from you on Taggart. And that's, um, and that's kind of how you see yourself. Um, because to Eric's point, he said, you know, there's all these people now that are focusing on the hundred and the times are coming down and, and the records are coming down and all that sort of thing. And, and it's not just, um, it's not just people to traditionally have, but a lot of people like, including you, um, have said, you know, what, I want to try this ultra thing and have found out that they're pretty good at it, um, as it turns out. And so a lot more people are getting into ultra marathons now. Um, and so it seems like there could be this real, uh, uh, race towards running faster and faster and faster in hundreds. And you could certainly be a part of that. But at the same time, well, I've heard you talk in, in, or in, in other interviews that your real big focus is that you still want to run an Olympic trials qualifier marathon. So I, I guess my question is then, are you an ultra marathoner who's going to try and be a part of, of the world records? Or do you want to be an Olympic trials qualifier marathoner? Or do you try to want to be both of those things? Like, how do you see yourself? I can be both. Um, as far as far as getting this, I'm going to get this 100 mile world record here in 30 days. And then um, this fall, as long as that goes well, I'll get on the track for 24 hours. And next spring, um, I'm not going to run or focus on a marathon until USATF comes with comes out with their times. But um, as soon as they come out with their qualifying marks, I'm going to go for the OTQ next spring or next fall but um i'm i'm here for both uh i think the uh the uh, track and the flat ultra running uh favors me right now just because where i live at in the central illinois area i can't i can't climb hills i you know i just can't do that stuff so uh so if right now i'll be focusing on the flat stuff and then getting the otq i think hopefully i can get on the first or the second try and, and that would only take one or maybe two training blocks and uh, when I do go for the OTQ, I'm really going to drop mileage back down and actually incorporate cycling as my double every day, which will be uh, very relieving on my legs. So that'll be nice for four months or five months. But um, what is I, so attractive to you about the Olympic tri trials qualifier in the road marathon? Because you can run these ultras and these hundred distances and 24 hour distance and literally win these races, be world record holder. Pretty much, you know, if you keep on putting up the results, you'll be able to get, you know, an entry into some of these most prestigious races. But just getting an Olympic trials qualifier in the road marathon, I mean, there's dozens of guys that, you know, are, can show up on that Olympic trials marathon in 2024. Let's say it's February, because that's typically when it is in the Olympic year. Um, but then you're just one of the masses. I wouldn't consider it one of the masses. It's one of the 300 guys in the United States who have the ability to be there. I think that's, I think that is just, uh, you know, the top half percent of people double the run under. Is that where it stops for you though? The ability to be there? Or do you see getting the Olympic trials qualifier and then really trying to be a top three at the Olympic trials marathon in 2024? You know, um, I don't think I have, uh, I don't think I have 210 blood in me. 
but I'll tell you the only pace worth running at the Olympic trials is the pace of the lead pack. So if I go out with them and I DNF at mile 19 or 20, I'd rather do that than run my own race and, and run respectively. Suicide pace for you. <laughs> for sure. Every time. Possibly. Sure. Every sure. time. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I would much rather die at mile 20 than run my own race at the Olympic trials someday. Yeah. Um, so, so while you're, while you're focusing on the Olympic trials qualifier marathon, you're going to put sort of ultra running on the, on, on the back burner. And then, and then once the Olympic trials or, and, and perhaps the Olympics, if you qualify for the team, once that done, are you going to go back to, to ultra, I guess. And, and so, yeah. And I, and, and I think, I think Michelle and I are both asking the same question in a different way. Are, are you now an ultra runner? who's going to qualify for the trials or are you a marathoner who's doing ultras on the side? Um, I'm really not sure. I like to think I'm an ultra marathoner who's going to go for the trials just like Zach Bevan kind of does. Um, like Jim did. Uh, yeah. Uh, one, uh, uh, one thing that appeals to me that I'll need a lot of leg speed for is a 100 K someday. And I don't want to run a, one, uh, a really fast 100 K until I get into marathon cycles. And then I get, uh, and, and then I get another ultra marathon cycle in me, you know? So, uh, that, that definitely will be appealing to me someday after when I get done with the uh, trials, hopefully if I make it there in a couple of years. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. So final questions, Eric, what's your final question? So even, even at six fifty five pace on a treadmill or six forty five pace, uh, off the treadmill, there have to be miles that are hard. You know, there, there have to be moments that are hard. We're reading the book Bravey and Alexi Pappas talks about during the 10,000, you know, you have like a hard few laps, but you just, she knows how to like dig in and get through that. Cause it's going to get better. Now, I don't know if in the 10,000 at lap 32, if I start feeling bad that I think it's going to get better, but she said it. So I'll, I'll believe it. Right. There's She's only 26 laps. I was going to say there's only sorry, 25 sorry. laps. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 25 laps. Sorry. I'm off. But the point, the point I'm getting at is what do you, what, what's your go-to when, you know, something happens, do you revert back to like process or do you revert to, you know, like confidence builders? Do you have some mantra, you know, do you, you know, like, how do you deal with that, that moment that starts to hurt? Um, when it starts to hurt, Norm, uh, I kind of said it earlier, I take two gels back to back and I try to remind myself, Hey, I'm very well trained. I, I plan for this moment. Um, I experience this moment probably 10 times a week in my training. You know, when I'm out for my morning runs, I mean, there's three, four miles where I feel like junk in the afternoons. There could be two or three or four or five miles where I feel awful. And uh, I just try to, I just try to remind myself, you know, these are valleys we work through to climb to the peak that I'm going to be at here in 20 minutes. Uh, that I'm, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to fall off. I just need to maintain my focus, my composture and do the best to look good, feel good. And just, and just remind myself I'm there to have my best day. You hit all three of them process. You, you go to your, <laughs> your food, you use the confidence, like, you know, Hey, I, I am good enough to do this. And it's, it's not, you know, whatever. And then like, just simply mental attitude, this isn't going to kill me. 
Right, right. I'm yeah. gonna get through. This. I'm, I'm in a valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. No, no, appreciate it. I was, I was Thank thinking you. about the, uh, the, the next race that you're in. If you're in a big head-to-head battle at the North Face 50 or something like that, and the person who's next to you looks over and sees you taking two gels, I wonder what they're <laughs> gonna think. Are they gonna think, oh, man, he's faltering? Or are they gonna be like, oh snap? Um, <laughs> Taggart's getting ready to turn it on. <laughs> Michelle, what's your final question? I'm curious, are you self-coached or do you have a coach right now? I don't think there's a coach who would subscribe to someone to run 250 miles in a week. I'm completely self-coached. I always have been, (laughs) always will be. And do you have any fear about essentially running yourself into the ground, so to speak? I mean, if we look at, you know, some of, historically speaking, some of the best ultra runners that, you know, did a little bit of what you're doing and they were superstars for a short period of time, but their bodies just, couldn't handle it um, without a coach at your side. Do you worry about that in the future? I'll tell you this. If I injure myself on June 19th with a 100-mile world record and my career ends, I go back to triathlon and get my Kona spot. But um, Kona's I'm cool. Not, Lives up to the hype. So. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned. Um, I can. Uh, I'm very good at listening to my body, understanding what it needs. Uh, I do. 75, 80% of my running on a treadmill, which is soft surface. Uh, I run at a very low heart rate for 80% of my training, 90% of my training. Um, uh, I, I know I, I, it like may not seem like it, but I know how to cap myself. Mm-hmm. You must, you absolutely must if you're running 250 miles. So mm-hmm. for sure, you can't sure. argue with that. <laughs> my last question, what's your favorite workout? And, and let's, and let's actually, I'm going to, I'm going to stretch it all the way back. I'm going to, I'm going to push it all the way back to the times when you were a cross country runner in high school and in college. And then you went through your, your triathlon career, which, uh, had uh, sprint Olympic and 70.3 distances. And then of course your marathon, uh, cycle that you started, but then was abridged because of the shutdown. Um, and then of course now your two 100 milers, including your treadmill 100 miler. Uh, world record what's your favorite workout or swimming cycling running all the above what? you tell me man sure let's do all of them <laughs> uh for swimming 50 by 50 on 50 mm-hmm. love that workout on about, 50 you're a good swimmer <laughs> about, about, uh, about uh four or five hundred yards to warm up 50 by 50 on 50 about two three hundred cool down that was my bread and butter i would do 50s 100s and then 200s three times a week um for cycling uh shoot i zwift racing i i would i I would live to get on saturday mornings in like a 30 mile uh, richmond race where i would just ride for 320 watts for an hour and then hop off the bike and just try to like get through a four mile jog at eight minute pace just because my legs are toasted from the swift race that's what george and eric do on saturday mornings too it's not what george you know (laughs) so it's what it's what george has been doing on tuesday nights um, but, but, but George and Eric have a much more chill experience on Zwift on Saturday yes, we mornings. Do. Yes, we do. So, um, keep going, Tiger. What else? So for run workout, um, I'd say there's two different ones. There's like a normal one and then there's an ultra one, uh, normal run workout, uh, 30 by one minute on one minute off, 15 minute warm up, 15 minute cool down. I, I, I don't know why people try to complicate stuff. I mean, you're running hard for a half hour and you're, and you're and you're getting the same rest. I mean, if I run for one minute at 
440 mile pace. I run the next minute at seven and a half minute pace. And I repeat that 30 times. I mean, shoot, I'm toasted by the end of that. Uh, that that's tons of speed right there. Um, that's a, that's a very popular workout in the, uh, the Kenyan training camps. 30, 30, 30 by one minute on one minute off. That's a, that's, that's sort of a bread and butter workout of a lot of the training camps in Iten and, and that sort of thing. Really? I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really know that. I just kind yeah. of used over the years old. What, what has worked for me is mm -hmm. crazy. Um, then ultra, I only do one workout a week. That's on Saturdays. I do my long run at, uh, close to race pace. And, um, I start out, you know, the four, the first four or five miles, I warm up into it and then, I really crank it and I do my best to keep up on my nutrition and just hold it for however long that I planned for that day. Does your, your crew, um, does your crew work with you on Saturday mornings for those long run workouts? Um, sometimes they're there. Sometimes they're not. Uh, 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 most of the time it's just me on my treadmill. Um, we have done time trials. Like we did one on the treadmill. We did one last fall where uh they were there at spots but uh for the most part you know they're they've been my three lifelong best friends and um i'm lucky to have them and i'm lucky i can boss them around on race day and not <laughs> well they're the ones who told you to slow down at mile 75 so so clearly they boss you around a little bit as well it seems like yeah, a good symbiotic relationship yeah um, <laughs> and and but but those treadmill runs they aren't on zwift though right they're just on your treadmill yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just on my treadmill with my strap. Right, I was totally just going to bomb you on Zwift one Saturday morning and be like, hey, man, <laughs> how's it going? So, <laughs> but maybe some other time. Um, sure. Taggart Van Etten, world record holder. Congratulations again, and thanks for being on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Uh, thanks. Yeah, you, uh, I thank you guys for having me. It, it was great to talk, and I'd love to be back sometime. Well, we can't wait to see what you do in June. So maybe we'll catch you after that race. Yeah, sure. definitely. Good luck on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.